For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Early Read Bedside It's College Football Show. I'm your host, Reed Wallach. Great show today. We're joined by Connor O'Gara, host of the Saturday Down South podcast, senior national columnist at Saturday Down South. We have a bunch of SEC content to get to you, and we have Heisman bets underdog bets, blowout city bets, plug your nose bets. We got all different kinds of bets and college football talk for you. So Connor, I appreciate you coming on uh, to talk all things college football. Good to be here. You know, I feel like week two kind of threw us all for a loop. We, uh, <laughs> it was setback Saturday, as I called it. A lot of things that we thought were, were the case in week one, kind of thrown out the window in week two, a uh, certain Anthony Richardson Heisman campaign <laughs> might've taken a hit, but yeah, glad to be here. Great time of year. Yeah, and people were given some shade at week two slate, and I was looking at it like, I don't know, there's some sneaky good games on the card, and it ended up being utter chaos. I'm just getting over a sore throat from Saturday. I was sitting at looking at my screen for 14 hours just yelling. I was sweating out BYU at 2 in the morning alone in my living room. Uh, so it ended up being chaos. This week's card, maybe a little less, uh, I'll say a little less going on this week, but we will find – betting value for you a little bit of housekeeping before we get to our sec conversation uh three and four for the show last week so slight losing week nine and seven on show bets though a uh, handful of bets from yours truly on my bet stamp account you can follow that at rw33 you can follow me on twitter at reed wallach and you can follow connor on twitter at cj ogara g-a-r-a so connor we're going to talk some sec here and i want to start with almost the biggest upset of the weekend and that was Alabama going to Texas. And I was a bit concerned about Alabama going into the year. Um, I just didn't think they were this overwhelming favorite. I still had faith in Georgia. I really am high on Ohio State still. And I think we saw some of the concerns come into the fray in Austin. The secondary, a lot of penalties. The offensive line got pushed around. Wide receivers dropping passes. Of course, Bryce Young is fantastic. But are you nervous about Alabama or is this just it's still early in the season kind of first true road game, kind of working out the kinks? Well, I think two things could be true at the same time. I, I think mm -hmm. one is that we might have ignored some of their potential flaws in the preseason. I'm guilty of that myself. And when you see Bryce Young, Will Anderson, two of the best players, the two best players, in my opinion, returning in college football, you sort of overlook some of those potential issues, some of which you hit on. I think also I, they, they have some issues stretching the field right now yeah. and not having a Jameson Williams-type presence with Tyler Harrell still out with an injury. The Louisville transfer, that has hurt them. But this was their MO last year, and we sort of overlooked that. When Nick Saban went on with Greg McElroy and Cole Kubelik and called it a rebuilding year, everybody kind of laughed and said, bro, you went to a national championship. What are you talking about? <laughs> Six of eight times in SEC play, they were in a one-score game in the fourth quarter last year. What did they do on Saturday? They were in a one-score game. It felt just like last year's Iron Bowl. I mean, even down to the fact that they had a backup quarterback in there basically playing on one leg who couldn't get the job done, and Bryce Young comes in and he saves the day. So the good news for Alabama is that it has the best player on the planet to be in that spot. He's got ice water in his veins. You can't say enough good things about Bryce Young. The bad thing is that if you're one of these people betting on Bama to cover these massive spreads week in, week out, I mean – Recent history has suggested that's probably not the best move, and Alabama finds itself in a lot more close games than we're probably used to seeing throughout the Saban era. 
Yeah, I think uh, Sarkeesian settling, what was it, four field goals inside the red zone on a Saturday, including one missed chip shot before the half. I mean, that, that's got to hurt because, you know, forget that Quinn Ewers got hurt, but Texas was had a chance to really make a statement there and say, hey, we just beat the number one team in the country. And, you know, Bryce Young did Bryce Young things and, you know, rolled down the field. And the tide, I'd say escape from, I wouldn't say disaster because the season's not over anything, but that would have been a really rough start to the season. Of course, first true test come up that flat. Where do you see them with Georgia and Ohio State? Because I said Alabama shouldn't be this plus 180 and then Georgia and Ohio State closer to plus 350. I think the three are closer together. And I think there's a case to be made. Georgia might end up surpassing Alabama like they did last year. Yeah, this Georgia offense looks legit. Yeah, it, it does. And I was there in Atlanta week one, and I was blown away by, by not just how – comfortable Stetson Bennett looked in the Georgia offense, but the spacing that that Todd Munkin was able to dial up against an Oregon defense that was plenty experienced. And you had a nice ace in the hole with Dan Lanning being there. And all Georgia did was combat everything that Oregon yep. threw at them. So I, I look at these three teams, Ohio State, Georgia, Alabama, and I still say those are the only three teams that can win a national championship. Don't give me this crap about USC uh, with a coach that's never won a playoff game with a defense that can't stop a lick. Don't give me this this garbage uh, about a team from the Big 12 at this point. Sorry, like I, I, liked, I liked Baylor coming into the year. Utah was my preseason playoff pick coming out mm -hmm. of the Pac-12. But I, I don't think one of those teams can realistically win a national championship. I don't think Michigan can either. So I, I look at this, this, uh, this top tier, Alabama, Georgia, and Ohio State. And I don't know so much that Alabama is all of a sudden going to fade off and lose two regular oh, yeah. season games. But here's the, thing that, here's the thing to remember. Not enough people are talking about this. Preseason number one in the AP poll has won a national title once in the last 17 years. That's it. It's 2017. That? 2017 Alabama. That's it. In the internet age, it is really hard to hear about how good you are for eight months and then have a four-month season in which you maintain that level. At Alabama, this year's team is going to have to go up against that. And it's looking early on like, man, that, that is no gimme that they're going to be able to win it all this year. Yeah, completely agree. Well said. Let's talk some Heisman candidates, though, because I placed a bet uh, last night on the Heisman. And we mentioned Bryce Young. We mentioned Stetson Bennett. Caleb Williams has, I think, made the early kind of jump in the odds. He's now sitting around plus 350. CJ Shroud, the preseason favorite, he's obviously still in the mix. But some questions there. I'll ask you, Connor. Who are you most impressed with? And if you had to make a Heisman pick right now, and listen, your odd, your preseason stance could be the same still. I personally don't think Bryce Young will win the Heisman because of voter fatigue, but are you going with Bryce Young? You know, Alabama, was this the early Heisman moment for him? Um, I, I don't think I, I don't think he's likely to win it because it's a narrative-driven award yep. and the evidence backs it up. I'm trying to get this trademarked, but friends don't let friends bet on preseason Heisman favorites. Um I, there's a social graphic of me saying exactly that the other really? week. That okay. I was getting, I was getting flagged for. I'm like, you just don't do it. CJ Stroud's already double the odds. Yes, it is. It's bad money. It, it just is. You're, you're you're lighting money on fire. Only one preseason top two favorite in the Heisman race has won this award in the last 13. I believe it's at right now. Mm -hmm. And Marcus Mariota, 2014. So I look at that and I say, no, I don't. I wouldn't want to bet on Bryce Young. I wouldn't want to bet on CJ Stroud. My my preseason pick was Quinn Ewers. And for the first quarter of that football game, man, it was looking <laughs> good. And he could have he could have had a, a Lamar Jackson type season where even if Texas had been like eight and four, he makes yeah. all these viral plays and they, they still put up a ton of points. It could have been really fun. So that that bet's kind of out the window. I wasn't crazy about the Anthony Richardson odds. The Stetson Bennett play is fascinating because you look at their schedule yeah. and yeah, they are undefeated. And if he's 35, 40 touchdown season, which could very much be in play, 
he has the narrative to do it. So he would be my favorite play right now, even though hopefully you got in on those odds. I have a, a, a buddy who's a diehard Georgia fan. I think he put a thousand yeah. on Stetson to win it in the preseason. And uh, he's, good. He's, he's, he's feeling still good. 19 to one. Most I'd say consensus pressure on that 18 to 20 to one range. So still a ways to go, but I agree that Stetson Bennett has some value. I went a little bit further. I just think if there is a buy time right now, it's on Dylan Gabriel of Oklahoma mm -hmm. to win the Heisman. Like that. Again, we're 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 picking numbers here, right? I saw Gabriel as high as 50 to 1 yesterday. That number got gobbled up when they reposted. It's now in the 25 to 30 range. To me, first of all, the numbers are exactly the same as Shroud, Caleb Williams. He's over 500 yards, uh, five touchdowns, no picks. Has a good team around him. You saw Texas. You were just talking about Quinn Ewers. Texas now is going to fall off a little bit. Makes Oklahoma that much more likely to go to the Big 12 championship. They are about to, they're about to go on a national TV spree, spree here. They play at Nebraska this weekend. Who just fired Scott Frost? He might he might throw for six touchdowns this weekend. Yeah. Uh, then they get TCU. They or Kansas State. Then TCU. Then it's the Red River game where Quinn Ewers is probably out. Makes Oklahoma in arguably the most watched game of the year outside of Ohio State Michigan that much more likely to win that game. A one lost Oklahoma team with Dylan Gabriel slinging. Uh, with Jeff Levy, his former OC in UCF, he's going to be a finalist. I don't know if he's going to win, but he's going to be a finalist. And that's why I think directionally his price is only shrinking. Yeah, I agree with you. And I thought too many people were sleeping on Oklahoma in the preseason. And, and I realized they lost all that talent to the transfer portal. Everybody's looking at what, what Lincoln Riley brought over with him from Oklahoma, most notably Caleb Williams. But I kept saying to myself, I'm like, wait a minute. So you mean to tell me this team is still going to have probably top 10 talent nationally. They're going to have uh, Brent Venables running the defense, one of easily the two best defensive minds in the sport. You could argue he's the number one defensive mind in the sport. And then Jeff Levy is going to be running the offense and he gets to reunite with Dylan Gabriel. How is this team going to be bad? I saw yeah. some people out there being like, oh, they're going to be seven and five. I'm like, in what world? Like, they're not playing against NFL teams. They're still playing against the Big 12. <laughs> Oklahoma is yeah. going to be just fine. And I agree with you. I think Dylan Gabriel has a path to be in that conversation. Yeah. Again, I don't know if he's going to win the award, but I just think yeah. directionally he's going to start trending, I think, closer to like 10 to one going into that group with Caleb, uh, CJ Stratt, and Bryce Young. I'm going to transition, though, to a team that does not have a Heisman candidate and maybe looking for a new coach, in my opinion. Let's talk about Texas A&M and kind of transition into our game of the week, Miami. You know, when I asked Connor to come on, I said, uh, you know, BYU-Oregon, but like A&M-Miami, you know, A&M laying 18 against App State. They'll probably win, setting up big game day. Um, they lose to Appalachian State. They score seven points on offense. Uh, they also lose game day. That's now going with Appalachian State for their Troy game. Uh, God, I'm going to ask you, Jimbo Fisher, hot seat, give him another year. I mean, when are you going to start putting some talent on the field and make it work? Uh-oh. Yeah, list see this? Up here. So I keep this sitting on my desk in case the exact <laughs> question that you just asked comes up. These are Jimbo, Fig Jimbo Fisher's buyout numbers. It is $86 million to fire him after this year. <laughs> That's he's more, not getting, forget he's not getting 86 million bucks. It's not happening. You want to, you want to fire him for less than 50 million bucks? You got to wait till after 2026. He's that not hurts. getting fired. Like that conversation, just throw it out the window. I don't care how rich the state of Texas is. He's not getting fired. That's not happening. What this is more interesting about is Jimbo Fisher relinquishing control and finally realizing that his offense is dated. It is too complicated. And his history of crap quarterbacks in the last seven years post Jameis Winston needs to change in a hurry. And if he doesn't do that, this championship window that he has in 2023 and 2024, which is the exact 
time that the NM boosters who gave him a fake future national championship plaque are hoping that he's going to be able to capitalize on. If he can't figure out how to run an offense successfully and not blame everyone else, that championship window is going to go out the door and they're going to end up paying one of those big numbers, probably more so in like the $50 million range, $40 million range. He's not getting fired this year. It's just not happening, yeah. but that that game was just an absolute travesty to have nine first downs for a coach making $9 million can't happen. Yeah, I mean, all this talent, the recruiting class to speak for himself, the money's being invested into the program, but you eventually have to make, you got to put that on the field. You got to start winning some games. I mean, one New Year's Six Bowl win um, in his time at Texas A&M, I just think, you know, you want to say you could play with this Alabama team. I know you beat them last year, but you're falling short in expectations. I mean, I was on their under win total at nine. That got boosted up to nine. I couldn't believe that. Just too much change here. I just I couldn't get to say an empty. And now that that under nine is basically cash already. <laughs> that that loss absolutely ridiculous. Look at their upcoming schedule. It's brutal. In the next four weeks, so this weekend they get Kevin Steele and Charlie Strong. Those guys know how to stop an SEC defense or an SEC yeah. offense rather. They've done that once or twice. They've got Barry Odom coming up. Barry Odom <laughs> showed last year he knows how to shut down that AM offense. You've got oh, yeah. Zach Arnett, the most underrated defense in the country is Mississippi State. And watch what they do this weekend in Death Valley against LSU. And we'll talk probably more about that game later. And then, oh, by the way, you got Nick Saban coming up in a revenge game after the offseason that's been. Yeah. Do they go two and two in that stretch? Are they going to be sitting there at like two and three to start the year already, basically needing to win out to, to just get a push on that over under if it's if you got it at nine? I think that's very much on the table for how bad they have looked offensively. And it's been bad. I mean, to not score a single second half touchdown in that game when you had to have it, that to me is just a really troubling sign when you're playing in the toughest division in college football. Yeah. So let's talk before we get into SEC play. Let's talk about the game this weekend, Miami Texas A&M. Uh, this number was higher than a touchdown heading into the week. Obviously, A&M loses. So that number drops down, sitting around like five, five and a half, total 48 and a half. Connor, I'll ask you. We just basically bagged on uh, A&M for a couple minutes there. It's easy. Yeah. Where do you see this game going? Do you buy into the Miami hype? Because I know Miami has, I would say, their own questions to answer after a few weeks. But also, the ACC looks a little open, in my opinion, with Clemson sticking with DJ. North Carolina State, I still think there's some questions there. Are you buying the upside on Miami? Or are you fading A&M? Or is it a little bit of both? It's more so that I, I think I got to fade A&M until I see mm-hmm. it. I, I can't blindly bet on this team. There were so many people in the preseason just crowning A&M, and it blew me away to see people like Desmond Howard say that they're going to win a national championship. I'm like, wait a minute. So how is this team going to get better after they lost all that talent from the number three defense in the country? They lost their defensive coordinator, Mike Elko. They had a new starting quarterback. And they didn't necessarily add pieces at the skill player positions. They lost Isaiah Spiller. They lost a couple of their stud receivers. They're kind of looking around like, wait a minute, how are they going to get better? This team that hasn't even played in a conference championship game in the 21st century, Mm -hmm. they're going to win their first national title since 1939? Miss me with that. So I look at this game this weekend and I say, how desperate is A&M? Because you keep hearing, oh, it's going to be a different A&M team. It's going to be a different A&M team. I don't know that it's going to be different. And I'd rather bet on that Miami team. I'd rather bet on Tyler Van Dyke. I'd rather say I know what Miami has from a defensive standpoint and their two defensive coordinators to be able to contain A&M. And A&M is a team that, look, if they were going to find their offensive identity, don't you think it would have happened in the closing moments against an App State defense that allowed 60-plus the week prior? So give me Miami. I'm not necessarily one of these people that's like the U is back and I'm going to be throwing this up after this weekend like in every picture, like every single Miami grad takes. But, yeah, give me Miami to cover – uh, plus five and a half in college station. Yeah, I am a little, and Dom Playcheck in, says he likes Miami in the points. I was with you. 
I was looking Miami. This is Miami or pass for me. The loss to App State, like, it takes, like, the value out of the bet to me. You know what I mean? Like, I'm now less interested in playing Miami. I'm a little nervous. Like, does AM have that, like, wake-up moment? Like, okay, we're texting AM. We have a bunch of blue chippers on the defensive line. We're going to beat up this Miami team who hasn't proven that much just yet. Yeah. And they beat Bethune-Cookman. They beat Southern Miss. They also allowed – I know we're, we're trying to look at certain edges here. They allowed four sacks in their first two games. I know it's a very small number, but look at who you're playing. I'm a little concerned about the Miami offensive line holding up and keeping Tyler Van Dyke upright. I went under 48 and a half instead of taking uh, the points with Miami just because I could see Miami winning outright 100%. I could see this being a grind. I just don't trust this AM offense. That is my biggest like certainty in this game. I do not trust AM's offense against this Miami defense. I just don't know if you're seeing Tyler Van Dyke taking the lid off this defense because AM, they only have 17 points at Appalachian State. They were on the defense a ton. And I think they're going to win on the defensive line. I think they're going to uh, get some push. I just think it's going to be a slow rock fight. AM also um, constantly under Jimbo Fisher outside the top 100 in place per minute. This is a slow paced offense. And we yep. were just talking about how uh, difficult it is to decipher. Um, give me the under at 40 and a half. I just think it's low, but I, it's low for a reason. This AM offense is bad, but I do trust their defense still. I still do. So I'm going to be on the under 40 and a half. And there's our uh, Texas AM, you know, punching bag there. So I'm on the 48 and a half. Connor, he's taking the points with Miami. I think we're both in the same boat, kind of. Or Connor, you think this could maybe be a wake up offensive game for Texas A&M as we transition here? No, I, I, I can't. I just can't buy it yet. And yeah, I, even if they switch to Max Johnson, which it was funny hearing Jimbo Fisher say after the game that, oh yeah, Max Johnson was going to get in the game if we had gotten some more offensive possessions. You yeah. would have only gotten more offensive possessions if you had a clue what you were doing offensively. And then, therefore, Haynes King would have been fine and he would have stayed in the game. So you're saying he would have only played if it was a blowout? Like, I, I don't know what Jimbo Fisher's thinking. Even if he makes that switch to Max Johnson, which feels inevitable at, at this mm -hmm. point, maybe he'll be doing that to start. Um, maybe some whispers about that. Uh, I, I still cannot buy into this AM offense until I see it. Yeah. And while we're talking about bad offenses, we're going to go to our trust me bet. And we're looking two different ways here. But, Connor, I know you were looking at maybe the grossest game on the board, some would say. Iowa, Nevada, what are you seeing here? This is the trust me bet. This is one where, listen, you just got to trust Connor here. He knows what he's talking about. Where are you going here? Nevada versus Iowa. Nepotism is a hell of a drug. It just is. <laughs> if you know, you know. And if you know what Brian Ferentz has been doing to that Iowa offense, which is last in the country in scoring, last in the country in total offense, you know what Iowa fans have been saying, that nepotism is killing this football team. Mm -hmm. It is. There's no doubt about it. They are a disaster, and that's a that's probably underselling it. From an offensive standpoint, you can't possibly bet on Iowa to score 24 points. And I, I don't care what Nevada has done. I know who who they allowed. Uh, they allowed some points to like incarnate word. word. Yeah, yeah. Look, not as terrible. They're not good. This Iowa offense is just so unbelievably yeah. dysfunctional at, at this point and have no rhythm whatsoever. I mean, the two safeties that they had in the first game yeah, against South the Coast. Old, seven, like, the scenic route. We, they scored seven, taking the uh, scenic route. 
it's 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 a train wreck. And they come out, you know, they score on the first drive against Iowa State, and all they need is one more touchdown to win that football game, and they can't get it the rest of the game. Yeah. And th- this this group is just so unbelievably bad. There are so many people that are so frustrated with the quarterback situation as well. So again, just kind of I need to I need to see it first. Um, I need to see signs of life. I don't know if this Iowa offense can score 24 points against air. So I, I can't bet on them to cover 23 and a half. So yeah, I guess I would gladly take Nevada to cover 23 and a half. Yeah. Uh, my trust me, I'm going four points here. And this actually, uh, this one got steamed. We may have to start doing an early, early read because this one got steamed literally like a half hour before the show came on. But UCF, Florida Atlantic, the graphic is going to say over 58. I made this 64 and a half. It's mm. now 61 and a half. So I still like it. Obviously not as good of a number. I do apologize. But Florida Atlantic let up, uh, 30 or 40 points to Ohio. Uh, they put up 37 and 40 plus uh, against Ohio and Charlotte. This is a fast paced team. UCF. I know people are going to be down on them after they blew that game to Louisville and the offense looks so erratic, but they play a fast tempo. And these are two dual threat quarterbacks and John Reese Plumley and Nikosi Perry. I think you're going to see a track me in this game. Florida Atlantic uh, in their game against Charlotte, they put up 40 plus. Uh, Reynolds, the quarterback for Charlotte, he went out and Charlotte kind of just fell apart on themselves. So the game stayed under, but that was a dead over game had Charlotte uh, still had their quarterback playing there. Uh, UCF defense was gashed by Malik Cunningham last week. I think Nikosi Perry could do the same thing. I just think that this is a dead over game. So the market's following me. I still like it up to around 63 and a half. So give me that UCF Florida Atlantic over 58. You just got or over 61 and a half. You just got to trust me on this one. Uh, that's Saturday night. So a little track meet for your Saturday evening. Um, and yeah, I see some comments coming in. We're going to get to all those at the end of the show. Uh, we'll answer a few questions below, but we're just going to power through a few of these best bets. Uh, the plug your nose bet over 58 or over 61 and a half in UCF, Florida Atlantic and Nevada plus 23 and a half against Iowa. And that is truly plug your nose bet, but hopefully don't even watch that game. Hopefully it just cashes. Um, we're going to go to another one though. Blowout city. This is just who's, who's going to lay, lay down the smack uh, this weekend. And Kyle, you're going to sec country here. Florida we're back in on them after that egg they laid or is this just like b- bouncing back and forth uh with the Gators the, they're going to be an inconsistent team year one Anthony Richardson's mm-hmm. an inconsistent quarterback we, we we saw that I mean week one to week he's two so you talented, saw the though he's so, so unbelievably talented he absolutely is he is still figuring out how to play the position because most guys who have three career starts are still figuring out how to play the position he just is but have you got that memory of last year what he did in Tampa against South Florida, fresh in my mind. And I remember him just ripping them apart. I mean, it was masterful. What did he average? Like 40 yards of play yeah. in that game? It was incredible. So running all I over look the field at too. Yeah, I mean, throwing, running didn't necessarily matter. I think that Anthony Richardson comes back. I think they're they're able to kind of kind of put their heads together. He and Billy Napier, two, two guys who are really, really tight. They've grown to really kind of trust and understand each other. Um, in, in terms of who each of them are off the field. And, and I think that's important in a bounce back situation like this. So 24 and a half. Yeah, I would gladly lay that. I think this Florida ground game is going to figure some things out as well. They got a really nice one two punch with Trevor Etienne, yeah. the brother of Travis Etienne, and then Montreal Johnson, the transfer from Louisville. So combine that with Anthony Richardson, they should be able to push around South Florida up front. Even if they can't quite get the passing game going, I like them to cover 24 and a half. Yeah, uh, no, no gripes for me there. I'm going uh, another buy low candidate, I think. Notre Dame is laying 10 and a half to Cal. And I understand no one wants to touch Notre Dame right now. I get it. They're down to their backup quarterback, Drew Pine. I understand. 
I also watched Cal against UNLV. And if you watched the earlier read last week, I took UNLV catching nearly two touchdowns against Cal. Almost like a no sweat winner there on the run and reps against Cal. This Cal team is terrible. And I know there's a backup quarterback now. Uh, Notre Dame also had four turnovers. That's what kind of cost them the game against Marshall, just giving the ball away. But on a down-to-down basis, 48% success rate. That would be in the 79th percentile if we're talking uh, standard down success rate. I just think Notre Dame is so much better. Their defense hasn't been that bad. They shut down Ohio State. I understand the offense maybe, but this Cal team is terrible. And I still believe in Marcus Freeman long-term. I just think that this is a get-right spot. I mean, I bet it at 12 and a half. Then Buckner's ruled out. So now it goes down to nine and a half. I got back in. Now it's a 10 and a half. I like it through 11. I think Notre Dame is head and shoulders above Cal. I think that they kind of get right here and they find their running game a little bit. So give me Notre Dame to whoop a really bad Cal team. Cal pretty much played even on a yards per play basis with UNLV and UC Davis. This is a bad Cal team. <laughs> this is yeah. a very bad Cal team. And you can hate Notre Dame as much as you want, but they still have Michael Mayer. They still have a bunch of defensive blue chippers. So I think Marcus Freeman gets the team up for this one and they rally around the backup. So give me Drew Pine and the Fighting Irish. There's our blowout city. Yeah, they're not starting 0-3. You know, they're not. Like, I don't think that's going to happen. So, yeah, I I like that play as well. Yeah, so Connor's on Florida laying 24-and-a-half. I'm on Notre Dame minus 10-and-a-half. And And now we got some dogs to talk about. We got some underdog bets. Uh, Connor, I'm going to let you lead off here. You are going Big Ten, and then I'm going to go to your country, and you're going to help me sift through a line that I've been kind of back and forth on. So you go first. West Kentucky, Indiana, what's your play here? I'm only allowed to say this because I'm an Indiana grad. Okay. Are you? Um, we got to talk offline. My sister went to Indiana. Great school. Love Bloomington. Uh, my wife and I got married there. Great wow. place. You can you can have a great time even in when you're in your early to mid twenties. After that, I you know little, <laughs> it's not. I've little, been to Bloomington. I went to Wisconsin, so I I know where you're. I know where you're going. It's probably it's it's made for college kids. It is. It absolutely is. Um, I this is exactly the type of game they lose. This is exactly yeah. the type of game that they do not get up for. And look, I, I like Connor Basilak because he spells his name correctly, and he's now the most famous <laughs> Connor from Indiana. So I'll give him that. I, I told him that. I said, "All right, look, man, you've got this honor now. This is all you." Um, but I, I do think that this is a tough spot for an Indiana team that has really struggled offensively. I mean, it's—I I know they got going against Idaho, a really bad Idaho team, but I watched that Illinois game, and I thought they deserved to lose that game. It was yeah, really, really 100%. bad. And so I'm—I I will gladly give Tyson Helton. That that's six and a half, and, and I'll or I'll take that six and a half with Tyson Helton, uh, a team that throws the ball just a ton. They threw the ball a ton last year, of course, and with uh, with Zappy. And now I, I think they're still going to be able to put up some points in this one. So yeah, give me Western Kentucky to go into Bloomington and probably win that game outright, based on what I've come to know and understand about Indiana football over the years. Yeah, IU uh, shut out by Idaho last week at home. Uh, I guess they were looking ahead to this one, but. Uh, yeah, I'm with you. I might honestly sprinkle on the money line. Say, forget the points. I might just sprinkle on the money line. Uh, West Kentucky's new quarterback, Reed, spells his last name the correct way, R-E-E-D. Uh, so, yeah, I'm totally with you here. West Kentucky, I think, is live for an upset against uh, the Hoosiers. I'm in your neck of the woods, though. Auburn is catching three against Penn State. And I know that people might be out on Brian Harson and the Tigers, but um, I've been circling this one the entire year because I, wa- I had Penn State last year, and I watched that whiteout game. That was a dead even game. Uh, Auburn had two chances at the end of the game to tie that game and uh, potentially win that game on the road in the most hostile environment you could get. I know that they haven't, they didn't necessarily impress against San Jose State. I also watched that entire second half. 
Auburn was in complete control of that. That, that game was never in doubt. I know the scoreline might not show that, but down to down, they were dominating as expected. I just don't really trust James Franklin, Sean Clifford on the road, laying a similar number that they did to a Purdue team that is much worse, in my opinion, as Auburn. Auburn has veterans on the offensive line. They have Tank Bigsby, uh, one of the best running backs in the SEC. I just think plus three, especially if it's a low-scoring game, give me War Eagle. I think that they're live for an upset. I think that they do get some revenge here, and they get up for this game. And I think that this is something big for Brian Harson. He can hammer it home. I saw the quotes this week how, you know, it seems like Auburn's locked in on this game. It seems like they're not as big of a disaster as they were in the offseason. So, Connor, any insight here on Auburn, or am I kind of looking at this the wrong way? You would know better than me. That's what kind of why I put this on the show. I wouldn't want to be betting on TJ Finley against that Penn State defense. That's what would terrify okay. me. I would worry about him maybe picking on Joey Porter Jr. a little bit too much in that game and having to turn to him in some obvious passing situations. That would terrify me. I don't know what this offensive identity is because they've got veterans on the offensive line, but it's a little bit like South Carolina. You've got all these veterans, but they're not very good. I mean, they're just not like, and I like their rushing attack of Bigsby and Jarquez Hunter, who's a stud. And if they get Robbie Ashford involved, the Oregon transfer who spent two mm -hmm. years playing baseball, kind of juggling both sports. If they continue to get involved more as they have in the, these first two weeks, then that's intriguing, but I don't trust this passing game at all. And the receivers yeah. have not helped them in any way. And I would, as much as it, it's frustrating, there are people listening to this probably saying, well, why would you bet on Sean Clifford though? Sean Clifford's better than TJ Finley. He, I agree he with is. that. I will give you that. Yeah, so I, I, would, I, I would still take Penn State to win this game. I think win this game, but catching that three, though, to me, on the road, this is still a Big Ten versus SEC team. I'm going to I'm gonna trust Auburn to get up for this game and get, get some revenge because I watched that game last year, and I know a lot has changed since then, but Auburn was in that game. Auburn arguably could have won that game. So I'm going to take the points with Auburn. This is a spot I had circled. I got the three. I think it was going to be a little – I thought it would come out a little bit less than that. I got the three, so I'm on the three with Auburn. So those are two underdog picks. Um, Connor, he's on Western Kentucky. The Hilltoppers going to his uh, alumnus, uh, Indiana catching six and a half. I'm taking Auburn as a home dog against Penn State, uh, catching three there. So now going to go to our primetime bet. You know, you're sitting down, uh, again, we're on different pages here completely, but you're in your SEC country here. Uh, tell me about why Tennessee is going to absolutely whoop Akron. I wouldn't be surprised, but let me hear why. What's the handicap here? What are, the, what are we on a live number at here? I think 47 and a half, 48. We'll call it 47 and a half. Okay, so just how I told you, I can only say that I would bet against Indiana because I went there. I can only bet against Joe Moorhead because that's my guy. Joe Moorhead is my guy through and through. There are two people that I will bang the drum for in this industry. People always ask me like, oh, who's your team? And I'm like, ah, I don't have a team because I went to a basketball school. Um, shot at Kentucky. And uh, I didn't go to Kentucky, obviously, but you get what I'm saying. And uh, at the same guy. time. Yeah, yeah. So, But I always say, like, I bang the drum for Joe Moorhead and Gene Chizik. UNC defense has been a little bit rough so far. A little rough. They're in rebuilding stage. But Moorhead's going to have it figured out in year three. It's year one. It's early. That yeah. Tennessee offense, man, they light it up. Everybody's talking about Ohio State or Alabama for the number one offense in college football. I think Tennessee's got a really good chance to be the oh, number yeah. one offense. And because of what they also have defensively, they're going to have to keep scoring. That was actually the fewest points they've scored in a win in the Josh Heupel era this past weekend against Pitt when they won that game in overtime, scored 34 points. And then Hooker has three stud receivers, three legitimate like wide receiver one type guys. Now with Brew McCoy, Jalen Hyatt emerging, everybody already knows about Cedric Tillman, or at least they should. That team can light it up. So yeah, I know that's a huge number. 
And it's against my guy, Joe Moorhead, but I think they can still win that game by 50 points. Yeah, no grape here. Uh, this was one, uh, my primetime bet, my late night bet. Uh, I had Fresno last week and they lost just an absolute heartbreaker, uh, much to the dismay of my wallet, but I've had this spot circled since before the season. I wrote Good. it in my season preview about USC. I said it on our season preview show. I said it last week's show. Fresno State, they opened 15 and a half. I bet that. I'm betting 12 also. I'm also going to sprinkle on the money line. I get everyone's talking about USC and how talented this offense is. You want to know what's not talented? Their defense. Uh, they lucked out from, uh, what was it, five Stanford turnovers, I believe. Five Stanford turnovers. They scored 41 points. They still only won by 11. So you're telling me that this Fresno State, who I rate their offense very highly, they're the favorites to win the Mountain West Conference, have a veteran in Jake Hayner uh, and a bunch of studs on offense. I think they're going to go shot for shot with USC and have a chance to win this game late. Uh, I mean, plus 12, give me a break. I think that they are live. USC's defense really hasn't impressed me. And, you know, say what you want about Fresno State in the final score. I watched the entire game. Fresno State outgained Oregon State by over 100 yards. They got mm -hmm. stopped inside um, the 20, I believe, four different times. They missed an extra point in the final minute after taking the lead. They missed another chip shot field goal. I mean, that was kind of a house of horrors game. Fresno went to UCLA last year and beat UCLA on the road as a big underdog. I think something similar is happening here. Too much hype going to USC's way. I don't think that this is a playoff team. I think it's a really fun offense. Uh, but that defense still has issues. So give me Fresno State. I think they got another Pac-12 scalp uh, early in the year. Can I, for those who are betting on a Caleb Williams future for the Heisman as well, a stat that might terrify you that I brought up the entire offseason to say pump the brakes in his three starts against top 70 defenses. That's it. Just top 70, not top 20, not top 30, yeah. top 70 defenses. He averaged 6.4 yards per attempt. Yeah. Keep that in mind. Right. Fresno in State mind. live in this game. Fresno State is very live in this game. So yeah. there's our under the lights bets. I'm going to share or right here. So uh, me, I'm on Fresno plus 12. I also think they win outright. So I'd sprinkle on the money line. Uh, Connor's on Tennessee minus 47 and a half. Uh, absolute blowout. Uh, two more bets for me, Connor, and then you could share any other leans you had that didn't fit into the segments. Um, so I'm going to start. I know you're an SEC guy and like college football, like that's like your bread and butter and stuff. I'm from the Northeast. I don't have college football in my neck of the woods. You know, there's no New Jersey, New York, really Rutgers, if you want to count them. Um, there might be a football team brewing in New York and in Western New York specifically. The Syracuse Orange have been pretty good this year. Uh, blew out Louisville and then did not let up against UConn. They're at home as a pick -em against Purdue. I think they win the game outright. I think they should be small favorites. Uh, there's something brewing in Syracuse this year. So give me Syracuse, pick versus Purdue. And then I bet on them last week. I'm going back to the well. BYU plus three and a half. If you want to wait on this one, wait on the status of uh, Parker Nakua and Gunnar Romney. I just, I can't get there with this Oregon team. I rate BYU very highly. I've been beating their drum all year, kind of like the conductor of the bandwagon. I think that they're a sneaky playoff contender, maybe, especially if they win. If they win this week, people are going to be talking about them as a potential fourth team just based on their schedule. Uh, catching three and a half, I just can't get there with Oregon. Need to see it. Bo Nix, not really sold. I think BYU, don't know. Maybe there's a bit of a let up. It's kind of a tough travel spot, but. I like catching the hook here. We'll see if Romney and Nakua play. So those are my two best of the rest plays. Connor, if you have any other plays, feel free to share. Okay, so um, shout out uh, Dinosaur Barbecue, Syracuse, New York. Upstate New York's beautiful. If you haven't been there in the summer, like – The hidden gem of uh, the Northeast. 
It, it is. Uh, I spent I spent a summer interning at the the Baseball Hall of Fame and was there in Cooperstown, Oneonta. Yeah, upstate New York is beautiful, absolutely gorgeous. Having said that, I don't bet against Purdue because their starting quarterback is Aiden O'Connell, who his kindergarten gym teacher was my mom. So okay. I don't bet against him. Um, That's fair. He's going to score points no matter what. With Jeff Brown, I know that Penn State played out the way that it did. Whatever, we're moving past that. Um, but I'll say I'm really intrigued by what is – South Carolina is plus 24 and a half at home, correct, against Georgia? Is yeah. that what the latest line yeah. is? So this is – this. I, I don't think South Carolina is going to really come particularly close to winning this football game. But what I do think is interesting is South Carolina is going to keep slinging it. They're going to keep throwing the football game just like they did against Arkansas. And when you start to kind of play that drop coverage against Spencer Adler – he can get a lot more comfortable and this line can actually protect him. I don't think it's going to be one of those games that we're like sweating out that we did with Alabama and Texas or anything yeah. like that. But 24 and a half is a lot of points. And I realize South Carolina's offensive line has been hot garbage to start the year. And if they don't figure some things out from a protection standpoint with Marcus Satterfield in that offense, they're going to be in some big, big problems against a Georgia defense that despite all of its new pieces looks really good. But 24 and a half just feels like so much for a team that actually came into the year with some sort of expectation. So that's kind of the the play that I like. And I agree with you. Just, just bet against Bo Nix. Just yeah. save your wallet, bet against Bo Nix. Um, you don't want to bet with Bo Nix. It's not a fun experience. No, I think you make a great point there because I had the South Carolina Arkansas under last week. I was dead wrong. Absolutely, one of my worst bets of the weekend. Um, because I I didn't believe in that South Carolina offensive line to hold up against Arkansas, and I thought Arkansas was just going to run the ball. South Carolina is going to limit that explosive play, and you're looking something closer to like 27-17 type. You know, the, obviously the final score I believe was 44-34. So I was dead wrong there. I'm not touching this game i think georgia does flirt with a cover probably does cover but south carolina might be an over team because they're just going to chuck it with spencer rattler he also might throw picks so you know getting it going the other way so i agree with you um you know south carolina might be an over team moving forward we'll see how it goes against georgia obviously you know best defensive line in the sec might be a problem there but um i think that was great insight there from an sec insider all right, there. So we're going to bring up some questions out from the chat. Dom Play, he was getting involved in the chat. We're going to start with Kansas catching 11 against Houston. And I think this is an interesting game setting up here because I was bullish on Houston going into the year. And first half of their first two games, they looked terrible. Even the second half last week against Texas Tech, just boneheaded mistakes left and right. I couldn't believe what I was watching. I got the cover home with three and a half. But do they get right here? I think so. Because Clayton Toon really didn't play well. At, um, at Texas Tech. They're coming home. It's a home opener. Kansas won a crazy game, and JT Daniels was able to sling the rock against Kansas. Kind of, I don't want to say a fluky win for Kansas because, you know, you got to take those wins as you could get them if you're the Jayhawks. You know, so you got, you got to give them some credit where it's due. But West Virginia's offense was able to move, and I think Houston will do the same. So I lean towards the Houston side, but I have not bet it yet. But it would be Houston or pass for me. Yeah, I, uh, I I learned the hard way. You don't bet against Ben's, You don't bet against Kansas because that was my lock of the week. Last week, uh, West, West, Virginia, Kansas. West Virginia to cover minus 13 and a half. Oh. I was like, oh, JT Daniels. Oh, come on. I, I saw him in week one. I've, I've been pro JT Daniels since he came to Georgia. And and then seeing the way that it played out in week one against Pitt, a game that they should have won. I've never seen a pick six be a quarterback's fault. 
less than that play was. Yeah. And then I thought they would have a bounce back game against Kansas. And instead they lay the egg and aren't able to win that. So I guess I, I, I can't underestimate Kansas anymore. So that would be, I, I would, I would take, I guess I would gladly take the 11 and a half with the Jayhawks. Okay. Okay. Uh, yeah. Don play asked a few, so we're going to answer two more. Uh, I, I have some questions about this game just because I'm interested. So I'm happy to hear your thoughts. Uh, Michigan State versus Washington. Uh, line's been on the move. Washington taking some money. They opened like two. I saw four yesterday, which is a little too rich for my blood. I lean towards the Huskies in this one, though. They look a little, you know, your Indiana transfer and uh, our guy Michael over at Side, Ben Heisler transfer. Michael Penix looks a little, looks healthy. Back with his OC, Kalen DeBoer. I lean towards the Washington side. I'm going to hope I get a minus three. Maybe it drops down to minus two and a half. But I don't know. Are you seeing something here that I'm not? I think Washington might be a little underrated. And Sparty was kind of a sell team for me heading into the year. Yeah, this is one of those lines that I think has surprised some people. Um, I, yeah. I think everybody kind of expected Michigan State would be a big favorite. And then to see like, what, what is, is it Washington minus three? Yeah. Minus three and a half? Yeah. I mean, I'll get you, as you're talking, I'll get you an updated number. Yeah. So I, I think a lot of people were like, wait a minute, Michigan State's like, they're, they're legit. They're, they're fine. They, I, well, Jaden Reed, the, the injury there, maybe that's kind of playing into it as well. And and there are some skeptics uh, with this Michigan State offense and what it could look like uh, without him. But yeah, Kaelin DeBoer is, I mean, fantastic offensive mind. Michael Penix could do anything without him. And then it yeah, looks like this year so far, it, it, he's been able to figure some things out. So yeah, maybe people are sleeping on Utah. That's one of those lines that when it's really weird and I have an initial like, oh yeah, that definitely you can't. No, go the other way. Go against your instincts. I just trust that Vegas knows something that you don't. I would probably bet Washington on this one, but I would stay away because that did kind of make me scratch my head when I saw that. Yeah, it's like three, like minus one fifteen, so like a three, three and a half, I think, which is interesting. If it hits like three, I'm probably looking at Washington, maybe like money line parlay with something else I like. But to me, it's a Washington side because I wasn't high on Sparty coming into the year, just kind of after last yeah. year's run, wasn't super high on them and. Washington's looked really good to start the year. Uh, really, you know, I was curious about how the offense were looking. It's looked really good. So I think at home, this could be one where you start thinking Washington may be live for the Pac-12. If they if they put yeah. out a good showing here against Michigan State and gets a win and probably a cover. Um, last question we're going to get to, uh, UTSA, Texas. UTSA's catching 12. And, Connor, maybe you know because, you know, you cover college football. Was UTSA and Houston both going to overtime this past weekend? The first time that two teams have ever played two straight overtime games, including against each other. It has to be. There's no way it's not. Yeah, I, there's none that comes to mind. I, I could be wrong on that. Don't take that to the bank. Yeah. But that is that is really how crazy really is weird. that? Yeah, but just bizarre. For this game though, I kind of really like Texas. It's on like my list of leans that I like. I'm gonna see where the line goes. I'm gonna wait for a little bit more. I want to see how Hudson Cards uh ankle i think it was he was limping through the game which yeah. was even weirder to say they were still in the game but i want to make sure he's good to go but utsa uh kind of some crazy travel back and forth they play a crazy game against houston in overtime they go all the way uh to west point to play army in another um overtime game triple option now they're coming back go to texas a team that i think texas you know i know the injury and stuff but that is a very good account of themselves you know that was a game they were live in i don't I think Stark is going to keep them up with this one because it is a big game. You know, UTSA, a darling last year. I kind of lean towards uh, laying the points with the Longhorns, though. Yeah, I mean, I would probably stay away from this one, but that Texas defense looked way better. I mean, yeah. with all the moving pieces on offense right now with the quarterback situation, 
the defense was that was the thing that really you, that should have been your takeaway, your most encouraging takeaway if you were a Texas fan. Well, besides the fact that for a quarter of football, Quinn Ewers looked every bit like the number one recruit he was hyped up to be. But I think if you're betting on Texas, you're you're assuming Gary Patterson has those guys playing at a super high level right now, and that's what you're probably going to put more faith in. Not necessarily that Texas is going to pour put up 35 points in this game because of the quarterback situation. You just don't know that you can rely on that. But could they essentially have, you know, even if it's just a 21 to four, 21 to seven victory? I mean, that that's covering plus, yeah. plus 12 there. So I think there's a path for that to happen. These Texas skill players are really good too. I mean, yeah. they, they get open in space and they can do some dynamic things as long as they get protection. So I, I think that even if Texas doesn't necessarily have a great offensive game, they should still be able to cover plus or minus 12 in that one. Yeah. And I mean, Hudson Card isn't some, you know, jabroni off the street. This is like, healthy. You know, he started, yeah. started last year, was in a quarterback competition this year. So it's not like Texas is going, it's not a significant drop off. It's not like Texas is some terrible team. I think they're still going to be competitive. That's kind of why I like them. I'm going to do some more research on that. Of course, it's only Tuesday. If you want all my plays, they'll be in my bet stamp at RW33. But we're going to bring up a recap graphic and then Connor, I'll let you plug uh, whatever you want to plug over at Saturday Down South. So just to recap our best bets, uh, Connor, he's taking Miami plus five and a half against Texas A&M. Nevada plus 23 and a half against Iowa. Florida minus 24 and a half against South Florida. Western Kentucky six and a half plus six and a half against Indiana. And Tennessee to lay the smackdown down Akron minus 47 and a half. And then best bets for yours truly, the Miami Texas A&M under 48 and a half. UCF Florida Atlantic over 61 and a half. Notre Dame minus 10 half against Cal Auburn plus three against Penn state and Fresno state plus 12 against USC. And if you're feeling frisky late at night, sprinkle on the money line, Connor, thank you. This was awesome. Seriously, like some awesome insight. You know, we went a little bit longer than usual, but you crushed it. That was awesome. Do you have anything to plug uh, what you got going on this week? Yeah, I appreciate it. We've got a ton of great content right now on SaturdayDownSouth.com. That's our SEC site. We also have a Pac-12 site, Saturday Out West. We have a Big Ten site, Saturday Tradition. We have an ACC site, Saturday Road. We've got you covered from coast to coast with what we do with Saturday football. Really cool things that we've been able to build these last couple of years. But yeah, I've got a lot of pieces up this week as well. Uh, Matt Hayes does great work for us. He writes first and 10, writes a bunch of different columns for all of our, our, our sites as well. And our news team just absolutely crushes it. So yeah, if you want to, I always tell people, like if you want a place to go waste an afternoon, you want some gambling <laughs> insights, something like that, bookmark SaturdayDownSouth.com right now. And I promise we'll have you covered. Yeah, that's Connor O'Gara. You can follow him on Twitter at CJ O'Gara. I'm Reed Wallach at Reed Wallach on Twitter. Big shout out to Joanne Woodcock. She runs everything behind the scenes. Have a profitable week three, and we will see you next Tuesday for week four. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.